The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you have your Bible, open it up to Matthew chapter 5. You can also get out your notes and you can follow along with me. Some of the main points and verses are in the notes for you to follow along with. And today we're continuing our Power of One series by talking about the power of one light. Or you could also say it like this. It's the power of one Christian life. There is, uh, there is power in your life. The potential of your life is a powerful, powerful thing. In fact, this is in your notes. Uh, God always works through people. That's why your life is so powerful. Because God works through people. He's looking for people he can work through to reach the world and to touch people with salvation and to touch people with the freedom that he's called us to, that he wants to bring to people's lives. And if you look at the Bible and you study it, what you're going to discover is the Bible is a book full of stories of God taking regular, ordinary, everyday people who make mistakes like me and you and using them to, to make a difference If you look at the Bible, you're going to find that when God wanted to rescue people in a flood, he used a guy named Noah. For the creation of a nation, he needed Abraham. To lead the nation of Israel, he needed Moses. To defeat Jericho, he needed Joshua and a harlot named Rahab. Uh, For the preservation of the Hebrew nation, he needed Esther. And when, when God wanted to save this world from the biggest problem that the world faced, which was the problem of sin, which separated people from God, God himself came and became a person so that he could save us. He could die on the cross and save us from the sins. So what you see here is that God always works through people. And so here's what that tells us. God's looking for people he can work through. God, because he loves people, is desperately looking for people that will be willing to be used by God so that he can use them to build the kingdom of God and to do the things he wants to do and and bring freedom to people in their lives. So God always works through people. Now, Matthew chapter 5 we're going to look at this together, and we're not going to get very far. We're just going to kind of read the first little part of it, and then we'll, we'll come back to it. So hold your place there, Matthew chapter 5. It says this in uh, verse 14. It says, you are the world's light. Turn to the person beside you and say, you are the world's light. Now, the reality that we live in this world today, and I don't think any of this is a surprise to any of us, but we live in a dark world, don't we? There's a lot of darkness and ugliness going on in the world. And here's the thing about darkness. When it's dark, you can't see. Anybody's mind got blown just now? (laughs) No, because we all know that. But it's true. In the dark, you can't see. And when you can't see, uh, it's hard to get around. Because when we can't see, we don't know what might be there that could hurt us. Because in darkness, you can get hurt. You've probably done this before, walking around in the dark and you run into something and you... You hurt yourself or you, you're walking in the dark and there's something on the ground that you can't see, like a Lego in my house, and you step on it with your heel, and it's like you're done. Call the hospital. It's over. <laughs> or or you, you misjudge, you know, and you clip your pinky toe. Anybody ever done that before? In the dark, and you're just laying in the dark. Lord, take me now. It's over. I'm ready. Darkness can hurt. And, and what we can't see, we can be afraid of. Uh, this week, me and Sarah were out of town, and we were in a hotel. And uh, when I'm in a hotel, 
I tend to need to go to the restroom in the night because I drink a lot of water before bed. Now, when I'm at home, this isn't a problem because I know the lay of the land. I know from my bed to the, to the bathroom, you know, the shot I have there, and it's all good as long as Sarah doesn't leave her little space heater out because Sarah needs a space heater uh, 98% of the time, no matter if it's summer, winter, whenever. So she'll have this little space heater, and sometimes she'll leave it out, and when I can't see it in the dark, I stumble over it. Or the other thing she'll do, and this is the worst, is her little, she'll unplug it and she'll leave the cord. It's like she's like, <laughs> and so you're walking through to go to the room, bam, and it's like, ah, it's over. And you already need to go to the bathroom, so then it just gets dangerous. But, but for the most part, that's normally a safe you know, a safe journey for me. But when I was in this hotel, like I'd wake up in the night and I'm going, okay, I think there's a bed there and there's a thing here and I've got to go around this closet. And because I can't see, I don't know. And what happens is when we're in the dark, we're afraid of what might be there that we can't see. And, and the world is dark. And a lot of people are living in the darkness with that kind of, that's how they live. They're, they're walking through life and they don't know what's there. And so they're afraid of what might be there that they can't see. And it's like little kids that you, you know, you put them to bed and they're afraid of the boogeyman. They're afraid of something that may or may not be there, but they're afraid of it because they can't see. See, darkness steals our freedom. Darkness steals our freedom. So darkness is a, it's an issue that we got to deal with. Another thing I've noticed about darkness, you've probably noticed this too. Uh, when it's dark, your eyes can adjust to it. You ever notice that? Like you flip off a light and when you first flip it off, you can't see. But after just a little bit of time, you start to, to see again because very rarely are we ever in situations where there's just no light whatsoever. So whatever moonlight or whatever may be, you know, shining in the room, we can find ourselves adjusting to, to that light and to the darkness enough to be able to kind of see. But, but the truth is we, we can kind of see, but we still aren't able to just walk in freedom. We're still a little careful because we can't see perfectly. And you know what? This is what I, I, I tend to find with a lot of believers, a lot of Christians who just kind of, they, they make Jesus the savior of their life, but they don't really surrender their life to him. And so they're, they're walking in a form of the light, but there's still a lot of darkness in their life. And so they, they find themselves kind of hesitantly walking through life. That's not the life God's called us to. This darkness is a problem and it needs to be dealt with. So, so that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to deal with the darkness. Now, here's the thing about darkness. Uh, the darkness problem is, a, is an issue of the heart. In fact, in your notes, uh, the darkness problem is a heart problem. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 3 says this. It says, this is the unfortunate thing about everything that happens on earth. The same fate awaits everyone. The hearts of all people are full of evil. And there's madness in their hearts during their lives. Then they die. Isn't that an uplifting verse? <laughs> That's not like the needlepoint verse that you get put on your wall or, you know, the magnet for, or the, like, you ever seen those pictures where it's like water is, is running over some rocks and it says like peace and it has a beautiful verse and you, you look at that and you go, yes, mm -hmm, yeah, this is not that verse. <laughs> Madness is in our hearts, like, but, but it's true. Darkness is an issue and it's an issue of the heart. In fact, Jesus said it like this in Matthew 15, Verse 19 and 20, for out of the heart comes, notice where it comes from, from the heart. Say, say this when they say it's a, it's a heart issue. For out of the heart comes evil, evil ideas, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are the things that defile a person. So the darkness problem is an issue of the heart. And so in order to fix the problem, something's got to happen to the heart. 
And so Jesus came so that he could, he could give us a new heart. Now, when I talk about a heart here, I'm not talking about your physical, you know, heart. Actually, when it talks about a heart here, it's talking about uh, the center or the seat of your thoughts, your passions, your desires, your affections, your purposes, your emotions. It's, it's really, it's the seat of your appetites. It's kind of the engine that runs the way you live your life, which is really what your heart is. It's the engine that runs your body. That's what Jesus is speaking to. That's what both of these verses are speaking to. So that's the part that has to be changed because if that's not right, it's going to drive us in the wrong direction. So Jesus came to fix that. Now, if you were to go to the doctor and the doctor came to you and he said, hey, uh, there's, I see some things that are wrong with your heart. And so we're going to need to take your heart out. The next thing that you want to hear from the doctor is, and we're going to give you a new one, right? Because if he doesn't give you a new one, you die. You understand that? You, you get that? You sure? All right, Easter's coming up. It's time to get resurrected, people. We, without a heart, we die. So, so Jesus couldn't just remove like, our heart. He had to replace our heart. In order to do that, Jesus had to deal with the darkness of our heart. And so here's what Jesus did. Jesus, who is called the light, became the darkness. And what we celebrate at Easter is this. One of the things we celebrate is not that just Jesus went through the physical torture of the cross. It's not that he just had nails driven through his hands and his feet and he was beaten with a whip and had a, had a crown of thorns placed on his head and was spit on and mocked. And all of that was horrible, but that wasn't where it ended. See, when Jesus went to the cross, the Bible is very clear that all of the sin of the world was placed on him. There's a moment in the story where Jesus turns to his father and says, why have you forsaken me? Here's why. Because Jesus took on the weight of all sin of all mankind. God can't be anywhere near sin. So in that moment, think about this. Jesus, who had eternally been connected to his father for the first time in eternal history, is disconnected from his father. Separated from God. As the weight of every sin, past, present, and future, was placed on him. Think of the worst sin you can imagine. And Jesus, the spotless lamb of God, had that placed on him. The worst thing you've ever done, I've ever done, anyone's ever done, all of it, all of it was placed on him at one time. The Bible says in Matthew 27, as this happened, the entire surface of the earth became dark. Darkness was so strong and heavy in that moment that the light of God was completely shut out from this earth and it was as nightfall was upon the entire surface of the earth. Wow. That's what Jesus was willing to do. Now here's the good news. Because Jesus, the light, was willing to bear the burden of darkness because of what he was willing to do because he received something he didn't deserve, darkness. Now me and you who step into darkness, who sin, who make mistakes. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. We've all done things that, that are against the will of God for our life. Because of what he did, now we who deserve the darkness can receive something we don't deserve, the light. That's the gospel, my friends. You didn't earn it. You could never earn it in your own ability. Your best day is never good enough. But because of what Jesus has done, by his grace, we can be saved we can be made whole and free from our sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake, he, talking about God, made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that awesome? That's what Jesus came to do. And so when we accept Jesus as our Lord, his light becomes our light. It says it like this in John 12, 36. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. See, when, when you make Jesus the Savior and the, and the Lord of your life, he doesn't just fix the sin problem. He actually, you actually receive his light into you. And now you're called to shine that light to the world around you. It says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. God who said the light should shine out of darkness has given us light. He's put it in us. He's placed his light inside of us so that, so here's the so that, look at this. For that reason, we bring to light the knowledge about God's glory, which shines from Christ's face. God made us the light so that we can be the light and bring other people to the light. Jesus Christ. He's called us in this world that's full of darkness to be light so that we point people to Jesus. So they see Jesus through us and they, they receive the same kind of salvation we've received. Okay, so, so back to our, our original verse, right? Kind of skipped away from that, but Matthew 5, come back to that, it says this. It says, you are the world's light, a city on a hill glowing in the night for all to see. Look at this, don't hide your light Church, don't hide your light. Turn to the person beside you and say, don't hide your light. Highlight that, circle that. Write that down. Don't hide your light. Let it shine for all. Let your good deeds glow for all to see so that they, they talking about the world, so that they will praise your heavenly father. Me and you have a job to do. We have an assignment. We've received the light of God and we're to let it shine through us. This little light of mine, right? I'm going to let it shine. Anybody remember that one? We're called to do that. That's what we're called to do. So how do we do it? Well, Jesus says this in John 13, 34. I'm giving you a new commandment. And here it is. Love each other just as much as I love you. So we're called to love people. Part of us shining this light is to love people the way Jesus loves us. Now think about how Jesus loved people. Jesus' love was a love that was, was a love of action. He ministered to people. He healed people. He, he spoke and, and touched people. He loved people that were unlovable. He loved people that no one else was loving in his day and age. If you study the life of Jesus, he was revolutionary in the way he loved people. And what did he do? In the ultimate act of love, and the ultimate act of service, he laid down his life on a cross and died so that we could be saved. Look what it goes on to say, verse 35. Your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you're my disciples. What shows people that you're a disciple is your love for each other. Your love for the world around you. That's what shows the world and speaks higher than anything else that you do of your love for God and of God's work in your life as a disciple. Love each other just as much as I love you. So, so here's the idea that we experience the love of God and then out of that, we share that experience with other people. That's the natural overflow of how this is supposed to work. We experience the love of God and we share it. Now, now here's why this is this is this natural thing because this is just how it works. We, we just do this in life. We experience something great and then we want to share it with other people. I like pizza. Anybody else like pizza? Yeah. I like pizza. And one of my favorite places to eat pizza in the city is a place called Empire Slice Pizza. Anybody been to Empire? They're going to have to like pay me or give me free pizza because I've been pushing them for a while here. But I love Empire. If you haven't been there, go to Empire Slice Pizza. It's so good. I hope you're not hungry right now. But man, it's so good. And I, I speak to you saying this 
As a person, I would say I'm, I'm kind of an expert in this area, okay? I like food, and I have been to uh, some of the best pizza places in America. I've been to a place in New York that's considered to be the best New York-style pizza. It's a little, little hole-in-the-wall place in New York called Joe's. And you go in this kind of dirty-looking little hole-in-the-wall place, and there's all these pictures of famous people who come there over and over again because it's the best pizza in New York. I've had it, and it's incredible. I've been to a place in Phoenix, Arizona called Pizzeria Bianco. It is considered to be the number one pizza in all of America. I've had it. It's incredible. But listen, I'm telling you, Empire Slice is right there. It's, it's so good. And, and you can ask Sarah, like, I get excited about food. Anybody else get excited about food? I, well, the first time we ate there, I, 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 well, I didn't expect this was going to happen, but I'm eating my food and I'm just like talking to her about it. And she's like trying to talk to me about other stuff. And I'm just like, it's so good. I'm just excited about the pizza. And I wrote like a social media post, you know. <laughs> And the next day at the gym, like I'm supposed to be working out, but I'm just telling the guys like, dude, have you guys been to Empire? We got, we're going for lunch today. Let's, like, let's quit the workout. Let's go. Like I, you know, the, the rest of that week, I'm walking around just finding random people on the street and grabbing them and saying, have you had this pizza? It's incredible. It's great. If you never had it, it's good. Now, now here's what I want you to see. I experienced something great and I want to share it. And this is just what we do. We typically do this. We, we eat at a good restaurant. We want to share it. We see a good movie. We want to tell people that we're close to about it. We, we hear a good, we go to a good concert. We, we hear a cool song, whatever it is. We experience something great and we want to share it with the world around us. Now, here's my question. Why do we struggle with this when it comes to the things of God? Because I'm looking around this room today and there's people in this room and I know that you've experienced stuff a New Song Church, you've experienced God changing your life. There's people in this room and you've experienced God speaking to you and knowing that it was his voice for the first time since you started coming to New Song Church. There's people in this room, you've been miraculously healed of things, things that plagued you for a long time. God healed you of those things. God has turned around your marriage. He's turned around the way you see God. He's, he's changed your life in miraculous ways and yet we don't share it. Why? Because there's this thing that we, got, we all kind of deal with. It's this idea of like, well, I don't want to be a fanatic, right? And yet we're not afraid, you know, what if that guy thinks I'm a pizza fanatic? That would be horrible. You know, we're not afraid of that. We're not afraid that we talk about a band that somebody's going to be like, oh, you're a fanatic for you too. What's right? Like, we're not afraid of that. Why are we afraid of someone thinking we're a fanatic for Jesus? Why? Because here's why. Because you have an enemy. And he plants these little thoughts in your head to try to make you afraid that people are going to think you're too pushy or you're too, and here's what he's doing. He's hiding your light under a bushel. What, what, what's the song say? No, right? Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out. And yet we do. That's exactly what we do. Because we're afraid. And here's what you don't realize is the world is full of darkness. And people are without hope and they, they're looking for hope. They're looking for something that they can say, that's the answer. They really are. I'm a Christian and I look at the world that I'm raising my kids in sometimes. And man, I don't know what I would be thinking if I didn't know Jesus Christ. It's scary what's going on. It's scary the things that are facing our schools and the issues with technology and phones and all the stuff that's going on in the world and drugs and the lies that are existing. And you don't know Jesus? Like you're going to be without hope. I'm, I'm sorry. You just are. And, and yet we're afraid that we're going to go into our work environment and our friend's going to go, hey, how was, how was your weekend? 
and God spoke to you this weekend and you go, oh, this is okay, you know, just kind of hung out at home. What, what if instead we said, man, it was amazing. I was at church and God spoke to me because we're afraid that person, at that moment, that person's going to go, whoa, dude, no. Well, what if they don't? What if they don't? What if they say, tell me more? Because they're in the dark. I'm telling you, the devil is hiding our light and we're letting him. We're letting him blow it out. But I'm not going to do it. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Amen? We got to let it shine. So, so here's how this works, okay? Isaiah 60 says this, Isaiah 60, verse 1 and 3. It says, arise and shine. This is me and you it's talking about. We're Christians. Jesus, the light of Jesus is inside of us. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon the pastor. Is that what it says? Arise and shine, for the glory of the Lord rises upon the pastor's wife, Sarah. Is that what it says? It rises upon David Terry. No, 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 no. It says it rises upon you. Turn to the person beside you say, he's talking to you. Darkness covers the earth. A thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you. He wants to use you. He wants to anoint you. And his glory appears over you. Look at this. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. In other words, there's power and authority that comes with you allowing God to shine through you. It's a powerful thing. So understand this. Sometimes I think we go into church and we kind of categorize church. And what, here's what we do. We go, there's the congregants and there are the ministers. And I'm a congregant. Like my role in the church is I come to church. Well, I come every week and I show up. There you go, Lord. You're welcome. <laughs> That's not how it rolls, people. God's called, listen, you're a minister just as much as I am. We're all called to this ministry. There's nothing on me that can't be on you. God wants to use you. I have a specific assignment, but so do you. I'll show you that in a minute. God's given you a specific assignment to the world around you. We all have a specific assignment. We're called, and not just me, all of us are called to do this. 1 Peter 2, 9 says this, but you, turn to the person beside you, elbow him, say he's talking to you. Turn to the other person, say he's talking to me. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. My friends, you are called into ministry. I ordain you. There you go. You're welcome. Actually, Jesus ordained you. He ordained you to do ministry. So it's time to do ministry. Okay, so how do we do it? Let me, let me give you some practical things you can do to help you to do this. Okay, number one is you need to do this. You need to identify your sphere of influence. Identify your sphere of influence. Realize that God has placed you in the place that you're in to reach the people he's called you, he's placed around you. You have a sphere of influence. It's kind of like a boundary that God has placed around your life that he's called you to minister to. It says it like this in uh, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 13. It says, but we will not boast beyond limits but we will boast only with regard to the area of influence God has assigned to us. We all have an area of influence that's in our life that God has assigned us to, and he's assigned us to work in that 
in that area. So Jesus says when he's, he's calling his disciples, he's telling them to go. He, say, he, tell, he gives them this kind of outline of how this is to work. You, you go to Jerusalem, Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And here's what he's kind of saying. You start, start where you're at and you work your way out. In the same way, that's how this works for us, okay? So as we go to minister to our sphere of influence, here's how it works. First of all, it is your people, your people. The people God's called you to, first of all, are your people. Now, these are, this is the people that you're closest to. This is your family. This is your really good friends. These are the ride or die people of your life, right? These are the people that if they die, you're going to their funeral. If you die, they're coming to yours. They're going to be in your life. It's going to take a lot for them not to be in your life. These are the closest people of your life. Listen, God hasn't called you to the world to lose your home and to your family, I love what my dad talked about last week as he talked about my grandfather and how my dad gets saved and he realizes this. He's got to reach out to his family. So he goes and he ministers to his dad and his dad doesn't want anything to do with it. So he doesn't in that moment say, okay, well, forget it. No, he continues to pray for him. And I think the biggest problem that we have sometimes with this group of people is, is we know them, right? We know them. So we tend to go, yeah, I, I know them. And, and, and here's what we do. We box in the Holy Spirit. We put limitations on the cross and the power of God. Because we know them. You don't know nothing. <laughs> I love you, but you don't. You don't know what Jesus can do. My grandpa was a tough dude. And he got saved. Because my dad wouldn't give up. Who have you given up on? Because Jesus didn't give up on them. We start with our family. Start with the people closest to us. We let the light shine. We love them. We pray for them. We minister to them as best we can. Here's the second group. It's your place. It's your place. So this would be like your, your job, your workplace environment, your school if you're a student, high school, junior high, college, wherever you may be. This is those, those areas. Realize this. You, those are not just accidental areas. Even if you say today, well, the job I have is not really my career. Well, okay, well, God still led you to that place. And he's, and he's put you in that environment, and maybe that's the reason you're in that environment right now. It may not be your career, but maybe God's called you to reach some people in that environment, in your school. You're not just in the school you're in because that's where the zoning was. You're not just in the school because that's the one that accepted you into college. You're in, your, you're in the school that you're in to get your education, whatever that is, yes, but also to minister to people, to be light. God has an assignment for you. And one, of, one of the things me and Sarah have tried to recognize in this is, it's like our children, our, our kids are in school, and the school that they're in, we look at that as a mission field. That when we send our kids into that school, we're sending them in like arrows. That's what the Bible says. They're arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior. And so we don't just kind of, you know, kind of let them go into school. We fire them into school so they can go into their school and make a difference. So we teach our kids, you are called to be salt, light, and love. You're called to get in this school and make a difference, to shine your light so that other people see. And there's people in this church that have come to this church because our kids invited their, their, their classmates. Are, are we harnessing the groups that God has placed us in like we should? That's my question to you. Here, here's the third group. It's your passion. It's your passion. So this is, you know, the passions that you have. We all have those extracurricular activities that we do. You know, we work out somewhere. We do CrossFit. We go to juice bars, <laughs> juicer people. We, we uh, go to Samba class. I don't know if you do that, but God bless you if you do. We, uh, 
we ride bikes, we play tennis, we do, we do these things. And here's what we, we do. We rub shoulders with people that have like interests with us. And it's another environment that God has called us to go into to shine the light of Jesus into. Are, are we taking these opportunities God's placed in our life and are we using them like we should? You need to identify your sphere of influence, then we need to use it. Here's another way we do this. Social media. I cannot tell you, listen to me, seriously, how many people I have met out here Majority of the time, I would say 90% of the time when I meet somebody out here and I say, how'd you hear about the church? They tell me, a friend shared it on Facebook. You don't realize, God, these things are, Facebook, Instagram, these things are things that you can redeem and use to minister. That's why that E1B1 site is full of things that you can pull off there and share on your, on your media pages so that you can get people here to church. People are lost, they're in darkness. And listen, social media is full of darkness. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice to see a post that was like, man, God's doing something at my church. It's amazing. Rather than all the problems that we see in this world, are we harnessing the, the things God's placed in front of us? Here's the second one. Here's the thing we're to do. We're to do good. We are to do good. The Bible is full of verses that talk about this assignment that we have to do good. Because we're saved, because we're children of God, he's called us not to just wait to go to heaven someday, but to bring heaven to this earth and to bring as many people with us as we can. And we do that by doing good. Bible says in Psalms 37, three, trust in the Lord and do good. Everybody say, do good. good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Ephesians 2, 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Matthew 5, 16, we read this earlier in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who's in heaven. God's called us to do good works. He's called us to to get in the middle of the needs of people around us and to minister to their needs. There's people around you, they have needs, they're hurting, they're lost. And you're not gonna know about it unless you get close to them. But the closer you get to them, the more you can see their needs and then you can begin to work by the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of Jesus Christ and the cross finished work in your life to minister to those needs. I, I'd say it like this, we find a need and we fill it. We find a hurt and we heal it. That's what we're called to do as a church. That's what you're called to do as a person. By the power of God, you can do that, all right? And here's the third thing. Here's my third point. We point people to Jesus and his church. We're called to identify our sphere of influence, minister to it. We're called to do good, and we're called to point people to Jesus and his church. Years ago, I heard a a pastor say this statement. He says that the local church is the hope of the world. And when he said it, I'll be honest with you, when I first heard it, it bothered me because I love Jesus. Uh, now, now, hear me out. I love Jesus, and Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is the one who died on the cross for our sins. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I, I, that's how I thought, and, and that's still how I think. Jesus is the hope of the world. But listen, this is important for you to understand. Yes, Jesus is the hope of the world, but the church is God's strategic plan for showing the love of Jesus to the world. The church is what God uses as, a, as, as the main tool to help people to see and come to know God. Is, it comes through the church. The church is called a couple of things. I'll talk more about some of this next week, but the church is called the body of Christ. And here's something I've come to realize about a body is it's hard to have a relationship without, if someone doesn't have a body. You ever notice that? I hope you have. Because <laughs> it, it, it is, it's hard. Like you, 
This is the stuff we hear about in the newspaper and on the news that we're like, dude, that guy got catfished or whatever. Or, or, or really, I was thinking about this week, it's really it's pornography. It's relationship with something that's not really real. It's fake. And what do we say about that? That's perverted. As, what I want you to see, though, is that the church is called to be a representation to the world of, the, of, of Christ, of Jesus. And a church that's doing its assignment the way, and this is why, listen, this is why we make such a big deal out of doing this the right way. This is why we're asking you to serve and to invite people and to get plugged in because we want to represent the body of Jesus in a way that points people to Jesus. We want to, them to see him for who he really is. We don't want to be a limping body that's barely getting by. That's not Jesus. We want them to see Jesus at his best, the loving, living Jesus who, who loves us and is friendly and welcomes us and has a plan for us and a place for us. We can be that as a church. We're called to be that as a church. We're called to be a living representative in this world of the body of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do as a church. That's an awesome assignment that we share together. The Bible also says that, that the church is called the bride of Christ. Now, something I've... I, I was thinking about this week. If you wanted to get to know me, but you don't have access to me, uh, another way you could get to know me is by getting to know my bride up here. Because we're close. We are tight. Me and that girl, we're close. That's my best friend. And we've been married for almost 15 years. And we've been through good times, bad times. She's seen me at my best. She's seen me at my worst and she's loved me through it all. And me likewise with her. And, and we're so close, we think alike. We, we're, not, we're not the same person. And, and we, we speak to each other's weaknesses and strengths, but we, we think we're close. Here's all, and if you want to get to know me, if you hang out with her, she can, she can help you understand who I am and what I'm all about. Because she knows me so well. That's what the church is called to do, my friends. It's called to be a place that knows God so well. That when people come to experience what's going on at the church, they want to get to know Jesus, they get into a good church. And they get connected. And they get in groups. And they, get, they, they understand the vision of what Jesus had in store for this world. And they see, they experience God in a powerful way. That's what we're called to do as a church. We're called to be a living representation of Jesus Christ to this world. As a person, individually, and as a church corporately. And I'll talk more about that next week. But here's what I want you to see. Through the church, we help people see Jesus. And through the church, here's what we're actually doing. We're helping people know God. And that's what this is all about, helping people know God. So we plug people in to the church. We bring them to a church, and they get plugged in. And Psalms 92 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of their God. Why? Because they're planted in the family of God. They're connected to God. This is our assignment. I'm going to invite the band to come up at this time as we get ready to close here. There's power in one. There's power in one light. It's an awesome power. It really is. I, I was thinking about this week that one of the things I love about light is that light always wins. You ever thought about that? You, you go in a room and it's dark and you flip on the light. And it's not like sometimes we flip on the light and it's like the light doesn't come on and we're like, oh, I guess darkness won that time. No, we... It does, and it's not like there's a moment where there's like a fight and it's going back and forth and darkness is like, put up your dukes. And there's, no, no, you flip on a light, light comes on, darkness goes. That's just how it is. Because where the light is, the darkness can't be. John 1 verse 5 says this, the light shines in the darkness 
We all agree it's a dark world. And we're the light. Jesus in us, shining through us is the light. The light shines in the darkness. Look at this. The darkness has never, everybody say never. never. Has never been able to put out the light. You could be in the darkest pitch black cave in the recesses of this cave to the point that the darkness is so dark you can feel it. And if you have a light with you, a flashlight, a candle, whatever, the moment you light that candle, where that light is, the darkness has to go. Darkness always, always wins. We, I'm sorry, darkness doesn't always win. Podcast edit. Light always wins. Always wins. God's called us to be light. And and understand this, your assignment in being the light is not to fight darkness, because that's a stupid fight. Your, your call is to be light. And where the light is, the darkness has to go. The devil wants to tell you that you're going to be a fanatic, that people are going to think things about, but he's just trying to blow out your light because he knows how powerful it is. Yes. Uh, this week I was reminded, I, I received a, a testimony from someone in the church, wrote this in. And I want to share it with you because it points to the power of one light. And specifically, it, it points to the power of even a little light says this, at lunch today, we were talking about the Easter services and about how last year we thought we were just going to New Song for a helicopter egg drop. Gotcha. <laughs> and to all you people who are like, good, good, egg drop, I don't know why you guys are doing that. This is why, you'll see. But we were so wrong. I would have never imagined a cute little kindergarten girl would impact my family like she did by just putting an invitation in my son's backpack. Now that's... That's my daughter, Bo. What she did was she took one of our, our Boomtown invitations and she put it in a little bag with some candy and she gave those to all the students in her kids' classes. There's an idea, everybody. You know. But this family got one and they decided to come to church. It goes on to say this. This past year has been life-changing for our family. Our marriage, our children, friendships, jobs, And most important, our relationship with God. My husband and I were both looking and searching for something more for our family, but felt stuck and alone. I love reflecting over the past year and all the people and events that God placed in our lives to bring us closer to God, to have a real relationship with Him. We are so blessed by New Song. We are so thankful for the goodie bag and invitation that KJ was in the parking lot that first time to greet us. And he introduced us to AJ, who took us to Whitney, who helped us check in our kids to Boomtown. I love this last line. You never know what part of God's plan you might play a role in. You never know. This is a family, and their life was totally changed. Totally changed. Because a little girl put some candy and an invitation into a backpack And they showed up here and people were letting their light shine in the parking lot and as greeters and in checking in kids. And everywhere along the way, people were in place to help people to come to know God. And they came to the church and they experienced something they had never seen before. Why? Because God wants to minister to people. And he's just looking for people like me and you who are willing to do it. God always works through people. There's people out there in the darkness that are lost and they're hurting And God loves them. And listen, Jesus died for them. 
their salvation has already been won and purchased. And God desperately wants to reach them. He wants them to be in the family of God. And so here's what he's doing. He's looking at this room today and he's saying, who, who will be willing to be a light? Who is willing to use themselves? Who's willing to say, I'll be a bringer. I'll be the one. I'll be the one that serves in a kid's class. I'll be the one that helps set this building up before church. I'll be the one who, who, who works in an extra service on Easter Sunday. I'll be the one who plugs in. I'm not just an attender. I'm a minister. And I'm not just going to let this pass me by. I'm not just going to live this way. I'm going I'm to do my part. I'm called to be a light, and I'm going to be a light. I'm not going to let Satan blow it out. I'm going to speak to the people in my environments. I'm going to share this light, and I'm going to make an eternal impact. Lives can be changed. Do you believe that this morning? Yeah. Will you be the one? Will you be the one? Would you bow your heads this morning? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Now, when I say that, here, here's what I mean by that. Uh, if you're new to this, what are you thinking right now? And the reason I say it that way is because sometimes we don't really understand how God speaks to us, that God actually speaks to us through, uh, through our thoughts. See, God is a spirit, and, and at our core, we are a spirit. And so God speaks to us spirit to spirit. And what God wants to do when he speaks to you is he speaks to your spirit and then your spirit speaks to your mind and then your mind interprets that. And that's why it sounds like you most of the time. Very rarely do people hear a booming audible voice from heaven. That can happen, but it's rare. Most of the time it just sounds like your thoughts. So here's my question. What are you thinking right now? Maybe God is speaking to you today, calling you to do more, to be more involved, to do good works, to shine your light. Maybe he's reminded you of people in your life that you could, you could witness to, that you could invite to church, that you could say, hey, come to church with me. I'll buy you lunch afterwards. Will you be a light? Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have to share this light, that we're not just lost in the darkness, but that we are the light in the darkness because Jesus is alive and living in us. And first of all, God, we thank you that Jesus was willing to take on all the darkness of sin, our sin and every other sin, so that we could be light. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross, for shedding your blood, for taking on all sins so that we could be saved. God, we, we love you. And in response to your good works, we choose to do good works around us. Not to win more favor with you, but because you've shown so much favor to us. We're grateful for what you've done. And we want more people to experience it. So use us, Lord, in a powerful way. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.